In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of months in Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, and we are beyond excited today to be joined by Heather Adams. Heather is a 1998 graduate of the University of Georgia and the Grady College with her degree in magazine journalism. She was nominated as one of UGA's 40 under 40. She, in her career, she has helped launch over 100 New York Times bestsellers. She is the host of the Make Me Known podcast, and she is the entrepreneur and CEO behind Choice Media Communications. Heather, thank you for taking time out of your day to chat with us, and, and welcome to the show. Herschel, thank you for having me. It's such a delight to be here. I have to start out asking you how many people talk about the fact that you have two names of very famous Georgia football players, Herschel and well, Gurley. Like, so I will say this is a bit of, and it's even funny to call it this, but showbiz because this is this is my, I guess you could say, stage name. We chose it. it. We chose it <laughs> intentionally because we wanted to honor who we think are two of just the most dynamic players in the history Amen. of the school. So I chose that, and my my co-host he chose Boss Dog because his favorite oh, yeah. player of all time is is uh. David Andrews. Oh, so David's nickname when he was there was boss. So that's, uh, yeah. So my co-host was, uh, I was a quarterback in high school and my co-host was my center. So he, uh, and David Andrews was the center. So he, he loves boss and that's his guy. So, yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you that I have two brand new puppies and their names are Herschel and Chubbs. Oh, I love that. Oh, I so love that. So I, I, I have drank the Kool-Aid too. Yes, I, I'm, I'm all for that. Well, that's two, <laughs> that's two good ones to honor. Um, well, I have a bit of a confession to make. I haven't told you the full story of kind of what cinched me wanting to have you on the podcast. Oh, yeah, uh, we, we had been following you for a while because I just love um, your story. I love the business that you've created. You know, I, first off, I knew that this would go well because you have a certain, I guess, Shah Daviv about you that you just can't hide. Um, and it, it's evident in the content that you put out and all those things. So we always want to have people that just have kind of a joy about them, which you certainly have. But you did an Instagram post back in April of you and your family at a hotel and you talked about how y'all had been staying there for five weeks. And at exactly the same time, we had had a rental situation fall through. And my wife and I and our four kids, uh, all eight and under, were in a two-room hotel suite for 25 days. Oh, so when I saw that on your Instagram, I said, I have to talk to her. This is God winking at me saying, <laughs> y'all need, y'all need to talk to each other, at least about this. <laughs> we can commiserate over our home displacement. Yeah, that's right. That is hysterical. First yeah. of all, thank you for the kind words. Um, I really received that and appreciate your kind words. Um, 
we were displaced for 12 freaking weeks. Oh my gosh. Um, we, we spent nine in a hotel and then we spent three with my mom and dad who live close by us. But yeah, we had ice damage. We had an ice storm in Nashville and we had water damage to our home. And so I, I commiserate though. I only have two children. So if you had four in a hotel, <laughs> like God be with you because that, that was a whole state of affairs. Well, I'm going to tell you just like my brother and sister-in-law told us when we told them we were doing this, they, they called us and I was telling them about it. And they said, y'all are the rock that Jesus has built his church upon. (laughs) (laughs) They said, if y'all made it through that, so I'm going to tell you the same thing. Y'all made it. Y'all are good to go. (laughs) Well, and what I told my husband is I've learned that we can live with a whole lot less space and a whole lot fewer things. Yeah. That, that, you know, what's was so very funny? revealing. That was our lesson of it as well. Was just like, you know, at the end of the day, if we've got each other and we all have somewhere to eat and lay our head down, boy, it really puts things in perspective about sure like does. what is important and what is just, you know, just kind of there. And yeah, um, so. I mean, it's one, I, I would not want to do it again. I'm sure y'all wouldn't want to do it again no. either, but I will always cherish that experience now because perspective wise, it was fantastic. Um, and it really made us appreciate now being in what we hope is our forever home or at least quasi forever home. So, um, yeah. So anyways, I had to tell you that. That's so just, funny. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I empathize with that. The other thing I want to talk to you about, and then we'll get into your story, but I want to talk a little Holy City with you because I know that you and your husband recently took a trip here to the Low Country, oh. so that has a that has a near and dear place to my yes. heart. So I want to I want to hear about some of the haunts y'all visited and see what some of your favorite spots were. Okay, so Charleston is hands down my favorite city in the country to go. I just love traveling there. We've been there a million times, but my most recent trip was just my husband and I, um, because our boys were at summer camp at, for two weeks and we were like, let's sneak away. And of course we took a quick flight from Nashville to Charleston. Uh, we stayed at the Dewberry, which mm-hmm. I love, love, love. I have never stayed there before. We usually stay at Charleston place. Um, but we stayed downtown at the Dewberry. I highly recommend. And, both their lobby bar and their rooftop bar are incredible. Um, the rooftop bar has like a gorgeous 360 view of the whole city. Like you can see the old Citadel campus. Um, it's really, it's really cool. Um, favorite places to eat, which is eat and drink is essentially what I do when you go to Charleston, as I, I think you should like you just eat Absolutely. And drink your way through your time there. Um, So the very first night we, um, got there really late because our flight had been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And we ended up, um, you know, where we were right at last call and Matt and Mm -hmm. I were like, we have been delayed forever. We, we need one beverage. Like we've got to, you know, have one drink before we lay our head down on the hotel pillow. And so, um, we went to, um, multiple places and they were like, sorry, we've already had last call. And we were like, Oh, we just got here from Nashville, you know? And so anyway, we ended up at this little gym 
And I'm, I'm looking it up so I can tell you what the name of it is, because I was like, oh my gosh, we have to go back to this place. Um, oh shoot. I'm going to look it up and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll come back to you and tell you what it was, but, um, and we, I'm assuming we put all these links in your show notes so people will know where to go. Heck yeah, absolutely. Um, but to eat and drink, I love, um, love, love, love one, six, seven raw. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that's a good one. Leon's oyster shop is like an institution. Like you have to go. Tell me this. Did y'all get any of the frozen cocktails at Leon's? Listen, you, that's the only reason. I mean, <laughs> good, good. you have to have a frozen gin and tonic. I don't care Absolutely. if you even like gin and tonics. You have to have a frozen gin and tonic at, at Leon's. We love to sit at the bar because you get mm-hmm. like hands down incredible service. And there is an upcharge to get the potatoes au gratin that, you know, like I think fries or something come with all your food and they're like, but do you want the potatoes all gratin? And, and, you know, it's like, I don't know, $3 extra. You need to have the potatoes all gratin. It is a holy experience <laughs> having it. Um, uh, so we love Leon's, um, uh, fleet landing, you know, right on the water. We yes. like going there for lunch. Yeah. Yep. Um, for the first time we went to, um, hold on, I'm, I'm going to pull all this up because, um, I want to make sure that I tell you the right places. Um, so let me tell you a story about the dewberry. So oh yeah, tell me for, for Christmas, I gave my wife a little staycation getaway for us to go to downtown. Yeah. So we stayed at the dewberry at Christmas. Oh. And they decorated out and it was beautiful. And to your point, well, first off, the service there was immaculate. Impeccable. Um, yes. yes, it was phenomenal. Um, and to your point, the bars are so different yet so cool. And mm-hmm. the thing I loved about the lobby bar is, have you ever been to the Parker House in Boston by any chance? I have not, no. All right. Next time you go to Boston, you, you must go there. It is where Parker House Rolls originated. And if you go sit at the bar in the Parker House lobby and get a cocktail, they have like warm nuts and stuff like they do at like fancy Northeastern hotels. But if you ask them, they will bring you a basket of warm Parker House rolls to eat with your cocktail. Yes. I mean, it is glorious. And, it, you know, it's all of so the, the lobby kinda... bar does that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I needed to know that prior to my trip. Well, this is for the one in Boston for the Parker oh, in, House Boston. in Boston. I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought yeah. you were saying the no, Dewberry did that. The Dewberry just kind of reminded me of that. Now, did they oh, bring yeah. y'all like the, what did they have there? They had like popcorn or something. Did they bring yeah, all the popcorn? at night. Yeah. And, um, and then they, well, also during happy hour and it has like kind of a kick to it. Um, yes. I don't know if it's cayenne or what that's on it, but it's kind of sweet, but kind of spicy. Yeah. It's really good. Um, Okay. I've found my places. So all the right, first it. night that we got there and we walked in all those places and they kept shutting us down and shutting us down. We walk in this place called the bar Felix. Oh yeah. And they bent over backwards. They were like, we are so sorry that you dealt with all this. And, um, I had a gimlet on tap from there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And my husband, who is a big bourbon drinker had, um, a bourbon nightcap, but it was perfect. Um, and it's like a little French bistro too, but we just had cocktails there. So I have not eaten there, but I hear it's phenomenal. Um, I, I mentioned one, six, seven raw, which is a huge fan fave for us. We like doing lunch there. Um, and then the, um, 
oh shoot what is the is it camellias at the um hold on what's it's the place that has the champagne room yeah it's camellias which is in um the hotel bennett so it's a if you are on a girl's trip or if you love champagne it's a perfect place it's a pink like champagne laden um uh bar it's really cool it's in the bottom of the hotel bennett okay Um, oh my sister will love that yeah i I mentioned leon's which i mean if you don't go anywhere else you have to go to leon's um we spent one day out where you live on the isle of palms which if you're um you know a uh a charleston native you call the iop like (laughs) If you're in like Flynn and know all the lingo and on the IOP, there is this Mexican place called Pappy's that Pappy's Taqueria or Taquiera, however you say that. And I'm, when I tell you like legit fresh Mexican food, best like dips, salsas, tacos, and margaritas. I mean, oh my gosh. So, so good. So I love that on the IOP. Um, and then we went, um, one night to Delaney's, which we had never been to before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How'd you like that? I loved it. So it's called Delaney's oyster house. And it's one of the old, old historic homes that's been, you know, gutted and renovated into a restaurant. And we sat on the side porch overlooking, um, the street and it was glorious. Um, and I love oysters. So if you love oysters, I highly recommend it. Um, yeah. And then I feel like you have to do, um, you know, brunch at High Cotton. Like High Cotton is an institution. It's a staple in Charleston. We went to Snob this this time, which is also, you know, they're right across the street from each other. Um, Both on East Bay Street. Yep. And both really good. My preference between the two is High Cotton. Um, I love their Sunday like jazz brunches. So those are some of my faves. Yeah. You, you guys did it just like you should do it. I mean, that's an excellent, that's a, an excellent <laughs> little, little eating buffet and, and drinking buffet that y'all had. And I am absolutely here for it. So I will co-sign on all those choices. Thank well you done. for validating. Y'all, yeah. Yes. Y'all, y'all did very well. Um, when you come back, I'm going to give you another list of spots to go. Cause we're, we, we lived here from like 2010 to 2014 mm-hmm. um, had our two older kids and then we just came back last August and it's been great to be back and see kind of the newer spots that have opened. Um, so I'm going to send you some, some other ones. So you have some new, pla- I will what? tell you this one place we went on our Dewberry trip. We went to this new place, which is crazy. It would seem like it was touristy, but it's called the Tempest okay. and it's down near the market. Uh-huh. And it was great with the food was good and we had a nice experience good service all those things but it was probably one of those places where i wouldn't have had some huge takeaway from it when it was done but they bring the checkout and heather they bring it out on this like coffee table type thing like a and it had a copy of the tempest a long stem red rose a bottle of cognac, two glasses, and two cigars. And the server says, what an experience. Yeah, they said the cognac is for the two of you to enjoy as long as you would like. The red rose is for the lady, and the cigars are for your walk home. And then the bill was tucked into the copy of The Tempest. How cool is that? It was those awesome. Those details matter, you know? Yes. Those kind of details matter. Um, okay, I've thought of a couple more. Can I just really quickly? I know we yes. this is like, 
a total um, rabbit hole we've gone down, but I'm all about this. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, I took my team and my whole team on our strategic planning and we stayed out on Isle, Isle of Palms. Yeah. And we had the co-op bring us lunch one day mm-hmm. and the frosés at the co-op, which are like essentially adult Capri Suns, let's just say. Correct. Um, they, they brought us that and they brought us lunch. So the co-op on IOP is awesome. Yes. Um, as is the blue root, um, her zucchini bread and catering that she does out on the Isle of Palms is amazing. Like I love, um, her stuff. And, um, and then we went some fun, um, places in, in town. So, um, we went to the skinny dip, which oh. is a little bitty bar, um, not too far from like the Louis Vuitton and um, uh, Charleston place and kind of that oh, yeah. area, that yeah, area yeah. of town. Um, but it's called the skinny dip. I would go there for a cocktail and we took a ride on schooner pride. So oh, we did the fun. nighttime, yeah. like you go down to the battery and back and, um, and it's like a sunset cruise or whatever. And it's, it looks like an old pirate ship, but it's yeah. called the schooner pride. And, um, we did a sunset cruise on that and that was magical. So I want to, I wanted to mention those because I had forgotten about them. Oh, the, uh, those are, that's all good. I, I like all those suggestions. There's another place I'm going to tell you about. It's one of my favorite bars in town. It's called the gin joint. It's, oh. t- it's tucked right off at of East Bay. So not too mm-hmm. far from high cotton. And it is like a 1920s prohibition style spot, like a speakeasy. Very much so. So oh, yeah. they, they do their own ice and it's, it, they have little like cool bar food, like, like grilled cheeses and stuff. Mm-hmm. But two things I was just doing from a cocktail perspective, they do a group cocktail um, where it's like a big drink that they'll make. And so they have three or four options for that. So they're fun to try, especially if you go with a group and then they bring out like a million straws or whatever. But the thing that I always love to do, they will let you pick from a set of adjectives and you give the bartender like two to three adjectives, and then he or she makes you a drink according to the adjectives that you've chosen. Oh, yes. I am here for that. Yeah. So it's it's very fun. And it's called the gin joint. The gin joint. Okay. Yeah. The next. Well, we're going in a couple of weeks. So yeah. we'll that's have a to must. Go. That's a must stop. You'll love that. So Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you this. I want to know, tell us a little bit about how you made the choice to attend UGA for undergrad and what's your experience in Athens was like while you were there. Oh gosh, that's a fun, funny story. So I grew up in Marietta, you know, just North of Atlanta. So I was definitely, you know, an Atlanta kid. And, um, um, when I was looking at colleges, my, um, junior and senior year, Georgia was, uh, you know, of course in the mix. And I was also looking at Vanderbilt and at George Washington in DC. I applied to all three schools toward, you know, visited all three places, um, and got into all three, uh, miraculously. And, um, when I was going on my tours and I got to Athens, um, you know, they had students that took you on your tour. And so we started out on North campus at the arch and we walked all the way through North campus and we got, you know, to where park hall and Grady, um, the journalism school is, and we were coming down Sanford drive 
and we stopped in front of the stadium and, and they, you know, we're talking about football games and the stadium and all this. And this is before we had that, the new beautiful entrance on, right. on the bridge and all of that. But I stood there and I was looking into the football stadium and I was like, I can see myself as a student here. Like I could imagine myself going to the football games dressed up and I could like, I could just visualize like what it would be like to be a Georgia bulldog in that packed, like energetic environment. And so it was on Sanford drive standing, looking into the stadium that I made the decision that that was where I was going to go out of my three options. It's ironic because I live in Nashville now. So I'm in the land of Vanderbilt, which is yeah. funny. Yeah. And every time I go to Washington, DC, I'm like, what would my life have been like if I'd have, you know, chosen this way, but I was a journalism major. And so it wasn't, Oh, this is one of the top journalism schools in the country. So that's why I'm going. Right. And it wasn't, you know, I'm a hope scholar and, um, you know, I'm going to, I was in the very first class of the hope scholarship program in Georgia. Yeah. yeah. And so that wasn't in it, even entering my mind, like I should go to Georgia because I'm going to have free tuition. It was, I can see myself in Sanford stadium cheering on the dogs and the life that my, and what my life will look like if I'm a student here. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so beautiful. I, I love that. And like, gosh, I bet every day since then you've been happy with your decision. Oh my gosh. It's the <gasps> best decision. You don't realize as an 18 year old, like how transformational that one decision is for changing the trajectory of your entire life. Right. And, um, and now how, like how for how much foreshadowing was occurring in that decision. You know, I'm taking my husband and my boys to every home football game. We're traveling to away games like Georgia, Florida every year. And so, and the life that comes and the joy that comes from being, you know, an alum and being in, in that environment. It's so funny, like that, that's how I made my decision all those years ago. And that's what's, that is what brings me so much joy now, but gosh, all the experience, the rich experiences that I had as a student, and then all that it has provided from a, um, networking life-giving, you know, work experience too, by being an alum. Now you went to the Grady college and we have been fortunate enough on our interview series to, to have lots of Grady college grads. And I'll just tell you, (laughs) it, it never stops being impressive. Um, everybody has their unique story, but they're all just great and so gracious and so humble. And, um, I mean, that's obviously at the core of it, but Grady's got to play some role in that too. Right. Like that, that, that's the unifier between all those guests. So if if you could just talk to us a little bit about your experience at Grady and and what it meant to you and what it's meant to your career. Well, I mean, it is such a privilege to be able to put that on my resume that I'm a graduate of that institution and, and specifically of Grady college. But, um, I, I have the privilege of serving on the board now, which, um, when I was asked to come back and serve in that capacity, I was like, I'm sorry, have y'all called the right person? Like, (laughs) because when you think about the hall of famers that have come out of that college, Ernie Johnson, 
Ryan Seacrest, Amy Robach, Deborah Roberts, Deborah Norville, Charlene Hunter Galt. Like, um, I mean, you know, it's like a Maria Taylor, like it's a who's who of people in the media world. And you're like, and and they called Heather Adams up and asked Heather Adams to be on the board. And so, um, so it's such a, a gosh, a gift, but here's what I will tell you from my, um, vantage point. Now, looking back at what a gift it was, one of the very first classes I was ever in at Grady was news writing and reporting. And one of the very first things that our professor had us do was read bird by bird by Anne Lamott. And I remember getting that assignment and going, what in the world does this have to do with what we're studying in this class? And I think about the decisions that professors make to incorporate intentionally things into their curriculum, like introducing a student to Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott and what an impact that had on my writing, which I think is the foundation for everything I do in my career. And I think that enhanced my skills so um, significantly. But I also think about professors like Conrad Fink, who, when I was going into my um, junior year, I was looking for internships or I was in my junior year and it was going to be the summer between my junior and senior year. And I was looking for internships and I went into Dr. Fink's office and um, he was talking through some opportunities and I um, was applying to be in the press office for the secretary of state for Georgia, who at the time was Lewis Massey. And um, Dr. Fink said, I am not going to approve this unless they pay for you to be an intern. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is he thinking? You know, like I graduated <laughs> in 98. So this is like between 96 and 97, somewhere in that time frame. And I was like, nobody gets paid for an internship. And he said, Heather, you go back and you negotiate for yourself and you get it to be paid. And if you do, I will give you school credit for it. Um, in addition to you getting paid, our students have value. I'll never forget him saying that to me. I'm like tearing up thinking about it. And as a, you know, young woman, I was probably 21, maybe at the time, 2021, thinking that a professor was number one, not going to do it for me. He was making me go do it for myself. But number two, he was advocating for the value that I already brought to the table, even as a student. Um, So I did, I went and I negotiated for myself with a Georgia alum who was the press secretary and the um, uh, deputy press secretary were both Georgia alums from Grady and who I worked, um, worked for, but I got it to be a paid internship. And that laid the foundation for this passion that I had, which was, I never knew what it meant to be a publicist between the media and your client. So the client at that point was Lewis Massey, the secretary of state and the, and the press, right. um, you know, and I worked for the press secretary, but I learned, oh my gosh, like, this is what I was meant to do is to be that conduit between media and the client. Um, and Grady is who gave me that. And some of my pa- favorite professors like Dr. Charles Lee, who taught communications law, single best class I ever took at school. Um, you know, 
he made us dress up for class and, um, you know, he demanded so much out of us kind of like Dr. Fink did about that internship. It was like, they believed in our capabilities and what we had in us before we knew it for ourselves. And then I also had Dr. Lyra Rhodes. Um, I was a magazines major and we created like, and produced an entire magazine in, we were on quarters when I was at Georgia. And so during that quarter, we put together an entire magazine called the screen door. I'll never forget it. Um, and she like, she was just such, um, a light, you know, and she, she just like brought so much out of us. And, um, she took us to, um, you know, opportunities and, um, like where it was like potential jobs outside of school and introduced us to her relationships and handed us opportunity. It's just those kind of experiences that came out of Grady are the reason that I want to serve on the board now and, and give those kind of opportunities to students coming behind. So you find your passion and what you want to do, which is beautiful because we all hope that that's what we're going to find when we go to school. Right. Um, and that I'm sure we hope our kids are going to find when they go to school. So bridging that gap between being an undergraduate and entering the professional world, where did you land at kind of what started your journey in, in the world that you find yourself in now? Well, initially upon graduation, I found out um, that my mom had a brain tumor. And wow. so I was graduating from Georgia at the same time that my mom was having a brain tumor re- removed. And so all those decisions, like what kind of job do I have? Where do I go? Do I run over to Europe and backpack through Europe and find myself before I take a, you know, quote unquote, real job, all that stuff. Everything was kind of halted because we found out right before graduation that mom had a tumor and, and she was going to have to have surgery. And so I needed my brother who was two years younger than me was still in college. And so I needed to go home and help my dad who was working, um, to take care of my mom for a period Mm -hmm. of time. So that is what happened right after graduation. And then that fall, so I graduated. And then that fall is when I got my first job and I went to work for Cobb County government, which is the County I grew up in, in Marietta Mm -hmm. in their communications department. And so I became a public information officer for the county. And, um, and it was so fun because it was kind of similar to what I had done in my internship in the, in the press secretary's office, but for a a government, um, a a county government instead of a, a specific elected official. And so I had 13 county departments that I was responsible for all their communications the water department, public safety. So the police department, the sheriff's office, the fire department, um, the elections office, you know, like I had all these different departments and everything from creating the insert that went into your water bill to moderating press conferences. When we had a fire in our County that our fire chief had to, um, you know, share with the media, that was all my responsibility. And it was, gosh, I look back and I'm like, that was the best foundation for my professional career, because I was doing a little bit of everything. Right. And I was given so much access to people that you would think you'd have to be, you know, well seasoned in your career to have these kinds of responsibilities. But I did, you know, right out of the gate. And I learned so much about communications, 
um, and, and all that it encompasses in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fast forward, I was in that for a period of time. And then I went to work for a nonprofit in Atlanta. Um, and then I, um, I lost my job, uh, because of nine 11, you know, uh, the nonprofit that I worked for lost their funding oh, and wow. we had to vacate the premises. Um, you know, uh, it was retroactive. We had to vacate the premises. We had very little notice and I found myself unemployed and I went back to my high school and was substitute teaching for a period of time while I was looking for another, you know, communications job. Yeah. And it was then that I met my husband who is from born and raised in Nashville. And we eventually got engaged and married and I moved to Nashville. And when I moved, I, um, became a publicist for Thomas Nelson publishers, okay. which at yep. the time, um, was the world's largest Christian book publishing house. It is a division now of Harper Collins, which is one of the five big book publishing houses in the whole world. And, um, and so I, that is where I like made a name for myself in my career and where I cut my teeth on working with national media and with, I mean, the biggest thought leaders, change agents in the world, you know, big names who were publishing books across all different kinds of categories. Um, and I, I worked my way up in my career there until I was running the department and I was there for almost 10 years. Oh, wow. And then I found myself, um, laid off again because of the recession. And, you know, we had round after round of layoffs. They laid off, you know, 25 people here, 150 people here, you know, like it was just, you know, round after round, it was like a sharpshooter taking people out a little at a time. And it was very tumultuous. Yeah. Uh, That layoff was really personal for me because I had been there so long and they were like my family. And I, I had made a name for myself and my, you know, profession at that point. And, um, but at the end of the day, it was a business decision. Right. And I couldn't, now that I own and run a business, I look at that and I'm like, you know, but I went through all the stages of grief and that, um, layoff is what was the catalyst for me starting my own business. Um, my husband looked at me because I was panicked. We were a two income household Mm -hmm. and I had a one-year-old and I had a three-year-old who were looking at me and I was like, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay our mortgage? How are we going to feed our kids? And my husband said to me, I don't want you to take your next step out of fear, fear that you're going to lose your job, uh, fear that you're, we're not going to be able to, you know, pay our mortgage, fear that you're going to lose your job again. You've built this beautiful career for yourself, go out and, and build, you know, the, the life that you're looking for. And that's when I started, um, you know, my own company. And it's crazy to think that was 2010. Um, so that was 11 years ago and, um, and, and it's gone from there. So I want to, I want to harp on this cause I think it's really, really important in your story. And I think it's a lesson that people listening to this can take away from this. And I appreciate you being so vulnerable and telling your story, but the two biggest things for me from what you just said are, there are two really, really big points of pain and really big points of what you would term as adversity, right? Where mm-hmm. you lose your first job and you lose another job. 
But what is beautiful about both of those pain points, right? Both of those points of adversity, one leads you back to the place where you meet your husband and the other leads you to the place where you start a business that has affected and impacted so many people over the last decade plus. So I think the lesson in that for folks listening or not, just think it's so beautiful about your story is even when things feel hard and feel heavy, God won't give us something that, that we're not capable of handling. And there's always something bigger and better out there for us. And I just, and I've felt this way over the last year, but there's, there's always more out there for us than we can conceptualize for ourselves. A hundred percent. And God has bigger plans than we even have for ourselves. Like his plans are so much. I never planned to leave Thomas Nelson, but because I was laid off, not of my decision, right. But of somebody else's decision, I have this beautiful life and this Mm -hmm. great company who this year was named to the bulldog 100, which is crazy. Like, um, you know, it just, I never dreamed that for myself, but God dreamed that for me. And Mm -hmm. you're right. It was out of such a pain point that, that, that beauty arose, you know? So tell us about choice media. Um, I love, first off, I'll just say from a biased perspective, y'all should be following choice media on Instagram. Um, the content is fantastic. If you are an entrepreneur yourself, or if you are doing something, whether it's a side hustle or something that involves an entrepreneurial spirit or entrepreneurial journey, um, Heather and her team are putting out great resources through, through that social account. And we have used more than a couple of things from the posts and tried to insert (laughs) them into our own um, brand and strategize and things. So please follow that. But the other thing I, I take from it is, and, and again, this goes back to what we started the podcast with, I think in so many ways, um, there's a line that my brothers and I quote a lot from remember the Titans. And Julius says that attitude reflect leadership captain. And mm-hmm. I think that's really evident in your team. Um, it just seems like people are pulling weight in one direction. And I think that's a direct reflection of you as the, as the head of the organization. So it's very evident from the outside that you've built something special there. And so I just want you to tell us about what that journey has been like, what lessons you've learned as an entrepreneur and and what advice you would give to folks thinking about taking that leap themselves. Yeah. Thank you for those kind words. That's so encouraging um, to hear that that what we're doing matters, you know? Um, well, I will say, so in 2010, when I got laid off, I initially started out, you know, on my own and, um, I was consulting and, and doing things by myself. And I'm, I, I realized, you know, very quickly, oh my gosh, I miss leading and building people. And, and, I think it's my mission field specifically to empower and develop the women who are coming behind me. Mm-hmm. And so in 2014, when we launched choice, you know, it was with this intention that we would have, um, a, a work environment and a culture that celebrated collaboration, not competition, um, where we were linking arms with each other and that one person's success did not diminish somebody else's opportunity and where home and family were honored and prioritized. And so 
I, I really, from the onset wanted to intentionally inject, um, into our culture practices that, that, you know, brought that to life through the team that we hired and, and, and brought on as well as the clients that we have the privilege of serving so that they understood that this is how, you know, we were going to roll and this is what, what we were going to do. So, you know, choice is a boutique communications agency. We, people come to us for one of three reasons. They're looking for clarity. They've got 10 oars in the water. They don't know which oar to paddle first. They, um, don't know how to tell their story in a clear, concise, and compelling way. And they need the roadmap and the strategy to do that. Yep. Uh, the, the second reason they come to us is for exposure. You know, they, um, they don't have the relationships to leverage like we do with major national media outlets and gatekeepers, um, influencers who would be, you know, game changers for their business. And the third reason they come to us is for an audience. Maybe they're known to, you know, a certain group of people, but gosh, if these people over here who knew who they were, it would be, you know, a catalyst for growth. Um, you know, it would be, um, you know, a complete, completely altering for the trajectory of their business. So we do that through, you know, several, um, service pillars, what we are most known for and kind of our bread and butter is media relations, pitching and securing opportunities for you to be on the today show, to be on ESPN, to be in the New York times, to be, um, you know, on a, a specific podcast or, you know, website, um, we also do branding and strategy. You know, that is something where that clarity component really comes in. People can't see the forest for the trees and, and they need, yep. you know, a third party to, to do that for them. Uh, we do podcast production. So your podcast, we have a podcast called make me known, which you, you shared earlier. And then we produce podcasts for our clients. In fact, we launched a podcast this week for our client, Sharon McMahon, who, if y'all don't know and follow her on Instagram, she's Sharon says so, and you must do it. She is incredible, but they, de she debuted at number one out of all podcasts. And in the first three days has more than 250,000 downloads, like insane numbers. Um, that's awesome. Her audience, which she calls the governors are, um, are insane. Um, she is, uh, her moniker is kind of, um, that she's been labeled as America's government teacher. She's an incredible, but, um, so we do podcast production. We do social media management and, and, um, the creation of all of the graphics and, um, you know, branding that goes along with that events and things like that. We, we do have our own, um, aside from our podcast, we have a, a female entrepreneur and leadership conference, the choice summit that is every September. And then we have a mastermind, small, intimate, um, group called the choice collective. So our primary audience is in the entertainment and lifestyle space, but our ideal client is an entrepreneur who is trying to grow their business and has experienced some success and needs to, you know, needs that catalyst or, or tipping point to take them, you know, onto the next level. And, um, and that's what we are traditionally doing for them through one of those services that we offer, but the magic from choice 
is the people on our team. I um, am of the mindset. Um, this is something my, my mentor told me years ago, which is to hire better and smarter than you. And so I have surrounded myself with really competent, um, incredible human beings who, uh, you know, do really, really good work. And, um, and that collaborative spirit within our team, I think, uh, is so much of the secret to our success. Yeah, there's a lot of humility in saying that. And I think that's the hallmark of a really, really great leader. I mean, we've all worked for folks who are, you know, very type A and driven, and that's good too. Um, but I think, you know, a rising tide raises all ships, right? So I think when a leader is bringing their people up with them, as opposed to, you know, being the boat that rides over top of them, it's a, it's a totally different work dynamic. So it's no surprise from the outside that it's worked like it has. Um, and you know, I, I, I forecast that your, your company and, and your people will continue to grow and flourish. So we will certainly be, be, be watching and cheering for you. Um, how can our listeners support choice, support you, And if they are someone who may be in need of y'all services, how can they start a conversation with y'all to make that happen? Oh gosh, that would be awesome. We'd love that. Um, So, you know, our website is choicemediacommunications.com and you can follow us on um, socials at that same handle, um, Choice Media Communications. Uh, We love Instagram. My personal one is Heather Dixon Adams and it's D-I-X-O-N. So Heather Dixon Adams um, is my personal Instagram. We'd love to connect with you there. We love to give away, um, you know, content and resources, uh, best practices, lessons learned from, you know, from communications experts. We love to share that both through mine and through the choices um, socials. You can listen to our podcast, which is Make Me Known. Um, you can attend our summit in September. You can um, be a part of our mastermind group, the collective I was just talking about. But if you're interested in um, in services, then um, right on our website, there is a button you can click and it'll take you to a consultation with our business development team. We would love the opportunity to, to hear you know, where you are in your business, what your goals and desired outcomes are. If it makes sense and you need a communications expert to, to partner with and to come alongside you, um, certainly we would love the opportunity to be considered. And, you know, I will say um, on our socials, we give you um, through our accounts, some recommendations. Um, it might be our blog or, you know, on um, one of the videos on Instagram, we give you a lot of recommendations on how to look for the right kind of partnership you know, if you're considering people, when is it time to pull the trigger and hire a publicist? Um, When is it time to outsource your social media? You know, what are the questions you need to be asking yourself? And then when you're interviewing and considering people, what are the things you need to be looking for? What are the questions you need to be asking them? Um, I would encourage you to look at that and consider those things. You know, if, if we're in the mix, we would love that. And if it points you to somebody else, that's okay too. Well, we're going to be sure and link all that in our show notes. So everyone has those resources. We would certainly encourage y'all to reach out to Heather and to reach out to Choice if you have a need. Um, I can just tell you, you will 
you will benefit and you will be better because of it. Um, Heather, we want to close with you today, how we close with all of our interview guests. We do something called the Smart 16, 16 kind of quick hitting questions in honor oh, yeah. of Coach Smart. Yeah. So I'm um, here for that. Well, and I should fr- say, if you're a Friends too, fan at all, it's kind of like the lightning round from the trivia episode. So, oh, yes, we- I'm 100% here for all of this. But before <laughs> we jump into this, can I just say really quickly that choice is, is we represent Coach Mark Richt. So for all of you fans out there of coach, um, he has a book coming out called make the call and it is incredible. He walks through, um, his early years, um, as a player and then his Florida state, his Georgia and his Miami years. But the Georgia chapter is, I mean, chocked full of goodness. (laughs) So that is one way you can support us is by by, um, getting that book and, and paying coach Rick will be everywhere, um, with the media, you know, promoting it. And it is so fun to be behind the scenes working for somebody as, as good as he is. I mean, he is as, as good as you would hope that everything you hear about him being humble and kind and a, the epitome of a servant leader is so true. So that that's for our Georgia fans who are obsessed with him. When is the official release date and are we able to pre-order now? Yes. So wherever books are sold, you can, you can purchase now and pre-order. Um, and it officially is on sale August the 31st. And if you are going to be at the South Carolina game this year, he will be doing a book signing event at the Tate Center at the bookstore. We're going to do a bunch of events. So if you're in Atlanta, we have um, stuff planned there. Like, but um, but if you're going to be at the South Carolina game this year, go see him, and he'll be there in person signing books. And um, and he's awesome. Like I just cannot say enough good about him. And guys, that's going to be a joyful weekend anyways, because that's going to be the first conference game back at Sanford. So yeah. September 18th, is coach going to be signing on Saturday, this uh, Friday, the 17th or Saturday, the 18th the game day on Saturday. Day. Yep. Perfect. Game day. Okay. Well, everybody mark your calendar for that. Cause that's going to be can't miss for sure. Yeah. You have um, to go. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. We are super, super excited to read the book. Um, like I told you before we started taping, we had heard some murmurs back in the winter that he was going to be releasing something. And so we have been um, with bated breath waiting for it to come out. So we're, we're really well, excited and, about it. And listen, like you have a direct link, like I, you know, you can get it ahead of time here and, and yeah. be in the know, but um, oh, we're in for that for sure. Yeah. It's <laughs> so good. I mean, I told him when I, before I read it, I was like, I cannot wait to read about the dog pile story at the Georgia Florida game. I yeah. was there. I remember it happening. It was so out of character for him. It's in there. Um, when Nick Chubb got injured, um, that story is in there, which I sobbed through. Um, it's also the story about how he took the Georgia, um, offer and like when coach Julie made him the offer and how that went down, that's all. uh, There's just so many good like stories in there that are, you're going to love. Oh man. That's going to be incredible. I I mean, dogs fans are going to love that. I feel, I, I really love that. Um, and you know, we shouldn't be surprised by this because dogs fans are, are on the whole, just phenomenal people. 
And I love how even after his tenure ended as the head ball coach, he has just been embraced and is beloved. And that's how he should be. I mean, he has given us so much of himself and his family has given themselves. And it's just, uh, I'm just, I love that he's revered and and thought of so highly. So I love that. And we're looking forward to to reading his story for sure. All right. So question one here, what's your middle name? So my middle name before I got married was, is Renee, Heather Renee Dixon. That was my married name or myth, but my middle name now is Dixon. So I dropped the Renee and it's Heather Dixon Adams, which is my, my maiden name became my middle name. All right. Who is your favorite dog of all time? Oh God, that's a hard question. And do you mean anybody or do you mean football players specifically? Can be anybody. Usually uh-huh. the answer slant toward football players, but can yeah. be anyone, any alum, whoever, whoever you choose. Okay. I will tell you that Ernie Johnson Jr. is my favorite bulldog of all time. I've had the privilege of working with Ernie. We worked on his book unscripted years ago, kept, he is as good as they come. Um, I would work my fingers to the bone for that man. He is, I mean, just all that you think he is of goodness. He is, I mean, just an incredible man and human being. Um, but my favorite football player of all time. Oh my gosh. That's so hard. I mean, I'm sure everybody (laughs) says Herschel Walker and I love him and gosh, what an awesome guy. Um, but I think David Pollack is probably my favorite yeah, I love what career he's built for himself. I love um, just his personality. He was so fun to watch when he was in school. Um, yeah. He's younger than me, but when he was in school, um, although, you know, I love Champ Bailey. I love, you know, um, oh my gosh, Champ was so fun to watch when he was on the field. God, he was so fun. But, um, but I think David has just done like an incredible job building a life for himself beyond Georgia, but still honoring Georgia through that work. Yeah. I love too the stuff that he's done, you know, he's built off of football and used as a platform for like the Mm -hmm. work they do with their foundation. And, you know, he's been very vocal about his journey with health and like, Mm -hmm. you know, he does the everyday counts movement, like each year between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I, I just love that he's putting that kind of energy out in the world. So yeah, that's a great one. Well, and there, because I named three men and I'm a female, let me just say Amy Robach, Deborah Roberts, um, Charlene Hunter Galt, like these women who have um, made incredible names for themselves specifically in my line of work um, and who have gone on to, you know, just be Charlene in particular, like the pioneers, you know, in their industry and Deborah on ABC. Oh my gosh. I just, I love people like that. Amy was kind enough to spend some time with us about a month ago and mm-hmm. she was a real treat and she loves the dogs. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, that, that's, what's so beautiful about this too, is you get to hear everybody's passion about UGA and the dogs. And so it's, it's fantastic. So fun. So, yeah. It's yeah. so fun to have that in common. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite game you've ever attended? I think in 1997, I went to, I was a senior 
-hmm. And I went to the Georgia, Florida football game in Jacksonville. And it was the first time we had beat them in forever and ever and ever. Everybody rushed the field. Like it was insane electricity in that stadium. And it had been Halloween the night before we were staying out on Amelia Island. It was such an incredible, like incredible game. Um, and so I think that's probably, I was with two of my sorority sisters. Um, I've never, I have not missed a Georgia, Florida game since 1994 when I first became a student. And oh, I love that. Um, we go every single year. I've, I've introduced my husband and my children to that tradition. And my husband and I were actually married on Amelia Island because that's where I've always stayed when we go for that game. But yeah, that to me was such a like fun experience being a student and being victorious. And um, yeah, and just that whole weekend was incredible. All right. What is your favorite rivalry that the dogs had? I think this may be the answer then. <laughs> well, I you know, I do love the Auburn Georgia rivalry and it goes back. So, you know, it's such a rich, um, historical rivalry, but 100% for me and my family, it's Florida and Georgia. And that is because I grew up with a father who was from Jacksonville and was a Florida Gator fan is a, still a Florida Gator fan <laughs> but paid for his daughter to go to the university of Georgia. So that's my like, ha ha ha, daddy, you, some Gator fan you are because I went to Georgia. Um, <laughs> but for sure it's the Georgia, Florida um, rivalry. What is your favorite away stadium in the Southeastern conference? Great question. I think Oxford, Mississippi and Ole Ooh, Miss. Yeah. There's nothing like tailgating in the Grove. I mean, what a cool experience. Um, and those people are so fun. And um, and just like, I really enjoyed myself there as opposed to like when I went to Baton Rouge to LSU and people like turn on you on a dime and they're really nice and Fiji food. And then the, you know, the football game starts and they are like crazy. So I would say Oxford and Ole Miss. I feel like too, based on your profession and the, and the career that you've led, Oxford is very literarily rich. So yes. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite bookstores of all time is in Oxford, Mississippi square books. And, um, it, it, we, I've taken more than one client to a book signing there. Yeah. Okay. What is the loudest home game you've ever attended at Sanford stadium? probably the very first blackout game that we played when coach Rick, um, and you know, he tells the story of how the first blackout game came in the book. Um, and his wife, Catherine had to do with it, which is, it's a fun story. Oh, Um, that's awesome. But I remember being in that game and the, like shoulder to shoulder with people, you know, and like everyone's wearing black. It was so weird because the stadium looks so different and all the lights and it was at night. And, you know, I don't even remember who we were playing. I'd have to think about that, but. You oh, that's know. yeah. That's the 07 Auburn game. I was in law school in Boston at yeah. the time and I went and bought pretty much all the black apparel you could buy at the Boston sports store called city sports. So I could wear it for the game in my house that night. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Okay, you get to choose the headlining act at the Georgia Theater. Who do you choose? 
I mean, I feel like the answer should be REM, right? Like, I feel like that's who it's supposed to be. But when <laughs> I was in college, Dave Matthews was at the height of popularity and the yeah. height of his career. And so Dave Matthews, like coming to Athens was insane. And then Darius Rucker and Hootie oh, yeah. were like, huge huge yeah so i feel like I, it would have to be dave matthews and hootie and the blowfish oh man that'd be Can an you imagine that concert. combo at the theater oh my God. i mean they'd have they'd have to shut down half a downtown and just be overflow seat and have to put like screens up and everything right it's like that old um story about when flock of seagulls came and shut down i can't remember which fraternity it was that had the flock of seagulls um party but Anyway, I think it would just shut down downtown Athens yeah. in general, but it, that is because of when I was in school and all my Athens like collegiate years are surrounded by a lot of really good country and um, Hootie and Dave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I think that'd be fantastic. Okay. Speaking of the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, yeah. what is the cocktail that you're mixing when you're, when you're in Jacksonville? Well, traditionally on game days, you know, we are drinking bourbon, um, that my husband is a huge bourbon drinker. I drank bourbon when I was in college on game days. Thank you to every fraternity date I ever had. Um, <laughs> so I associate bourbon cocktails with, so like a good old fashioned, yeah. um, on game day is, is great, but I recently, um, have been, have gotten into, um, some, you know, we were doing some more mixology during COVID yeah. and making, you know, different kinds of, um, of cocktails because of that. And so, um, I made this and I can give you the recipe if you want to put it up for your listeners, 100%. but I made this cherry lime um mule and it has raspberry well it has cherries and mint and um lime in it but i can give you the recipe for it and i think that is a fun in the early early part of the season when it's still super hot yeah um but to me bourbon is like what you drink on game day i mean that is the cock, a, a good old fashioned or a, just a bourbon and diet Coke or a bourbon and Coke. Come on. Like nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no way. Okay. You're back in Athens for one meal. What's your favorite um, place to eat in Athens? Hands down. There is no other answer than last resort. <laughs> I mean, and one. I can tell you when I go back still to this day, I order the praline chicken and I ask for them to give it to me, serve the OG way, because the way that they serve it now, they serve it with different sides than the way they served it when I was in college. And so when I go now, I get the fried green tomatoes with the Vidalia Ooh. bacon dressing. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and then I get the praline chicken and I have them serve it the OG way. I love that. So we took my sister to Athens for Top Golf at Sanford for her birthday. And so for one of her two birthday suppers, we ate at Last Resort. And man, we had a big time. It was fantastic. Oh my so. God. 
institution in Athens. Like you can't. And I think why I have such fond memories of it is because when I went for my tour, um, we stayed at the continuing education hotel, right next to the South Mm -hmm. deck, the hotel that that student is student run on campus. And we went to the front desk. We, and we said, where should we go to dinner? And the girl at the front desk, who was a student said, my favorite place in all of Athens is last resort. And she said, when you get there, you're going to look at it and it's going to look like a hole in the wall. And you're going to kind of wonder where I've sent you, but I promise it delivers. And so my mom and I went there and I mean, I've never like had a disappointing meal in my life there. I have so many fond memories. So if I'm only having one, that's where I'm going. Okay. Do you have any game day superstitions? (laughs) I do have some. Yeah. So, um, what year did we go to the Rose Bowl uh, recently? 19? So 20, 2017 season, but 2018 Rose Bowl. Okay. So that year, my pledge class sisters that I'm the closest with. So we were all at Georgia together. We all pledged AOPI together. One of the girls in our group bought us these Georgia baseball caps that had, um, uh, you know, the uh, bulldog on the front. They were mm-hmm. black hats, bull- bulldog on the front. So we all wore that hat. She gave it to us the day of the Georgia Notre Dame game. That was away when we won. That was insane. Yep. Well, so we all wore the hat that game and we were like, okay, this, this it's the hat and all of us wearing it. So that entire football season, we (laughs) all, the six of us wore that hat every single game because we were like, it's the hat, it's the hat. Like, um, so it definitely that season that sticks out. And then I, um, I have some, you know, like little things about my clothes. Like you can't go with me and tailgate with me if you're not in red and black. Um, you know, like my children, our friends that we invite, like these people that show up that don't have red and black and think they're going to a game. I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> um, you don't go to a Georgia game in Navy, you know? Correct. That's exactly right. <laughs> this this is the standard you should be holding people to. I'm very proud about this. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite Sanford Stadium pregame tradition? Whether it's dog walk or uh, Bob O'Reilly or Larry Munson coming over the airwaves and the lone trumpeter. What, what's your favorite? Um. I get chills every time the lone trumpeter plays, of course. Um, and I've taken my boys to a lot of dog walks and then that's so fun. Um, but when I was a student, my senior year, I worked in the sky suites and I had the privilege of taking Ugga around. And so I got to do that pregame and then I got to do it at halftime. And I would go, we would go into each suite and we would take him. So I was with the Siler family. So Mr. Yeah. Siler, um, Sonny Siler would walk around with me. And so I have a picture of me at homecoming my senior year with a big mom, because you wear moms to homecoming yeah. with Ugga. And that was so fun. That tradition of getting to, to walk him around. So that, I would say that as, you know, when I was a student, but, um, but I think the dog walk for sure would be it you know, as a alum. Oh, how cool is that? So I got to tell you a, a little sidebar story about Mr. Siler since you had that experience. So 
we interviewed Jamie Dean. Well, we've interviewed him a couple of times, but the first time we interviewed him, we were asking him about superstitions and stuff. And he wears this hat. That's the old, it looks very much like the hat that coach Dooley used to wear, like the yeah. white mesh, black brim, red G, like the old oh, G, the yes, block I G. I love that hat. So he's like, well, I saw Mr. Seller one day at the game. He was wearing the hat. And I was like, you know, hey, Mr. Seller, where'd you get that hat? He's like, I have them made from this place in Kentucky. And he's like, I'll get you one. And he's like, so um, they, I think they had reopened the Creek House in Savannah. And mm-hmm. so Mr. Seiler and his family came and he said they got there and they had a like a paper grocery bag and he handed it to Jamie and Jamie opened it and it's one of the hats. And he said, so if I am at a Georgia football game, I am wearing that hat that Mr. Seiler That is so, a cool story. Yeah, that is really, really cool. cool. Yeah, so I love that. Um, okay, black jerseys, yes or no? Oh, I'm very torn, but I'm a no, I'm a no. There's so, I have some fun memories from some of the blackout games, Yep. but I think in general that the guys look cool in them too. Like, let's not like when they run out, you know, they look cool, but I don't know. I'd have to look at the stats to know if my, um, my thought is the same as fact, but I feel like we lose more games in the black Jersey than we win. (laughs) And so therefore that's why I'm a no, I don't know if that's accurate or not, or if that's just my, um, uh, idea based on the ones that I've attended, but they look great in them and, um, and they look cool on the field, but I'm just like, and I'm such a huge fan of the silver britches for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I probably know the answer to this because the answer has been almost uniform amongst our guests, but what is the loss you're still not over? Oh my God. The one that took seven years off of my life, which was the Rose Bowl game. I mean, is that everybody's answer? Well, it's, yeah. I mean, that that second and 26 game, I think about about gutted everybody when that all happened. So it was, it was a no, tough not one. the Rose bowl. I'm sorry. I'm saying we Rose bowl. We won, although it took seven years off of my life. Oh, it because for I sure had a did. hard, heart attack, the national championship game that we lost after winning the Rose bowl, which should have been the championship game. I'm sorry. Right. I totally misspoke when I said that, but let me tell you, we were in Brecken, um, Breckenridge, Colorado, where we ski every year, we were sitting, yeah. watching the game with all these people around us. And we went like hours before to this bar so that we could watch the game and have a really good seat. And I have never lost so much of my heart in my life than during that game, but we won that game. So that wasn't a loss, but what, but I remember how emotionally charged I was that game, but the national champion losing that game. I mean, give me a break. Like, Oh, it was to me, the national championship game was the Rose bowl game. Well, I think there's some validity to kind of the emotional toll of that one. And then mm-hmm. also they travel cross country, right? So yeah, totally. there's a lot, a lot rolled into that. And, I, you know, I think it was, you know, in all honesty, if you look back on it retrospectively, it's a, it's amazing. They played as well as they did and were in mm-hmm. the position to win that game, given the emotional high. And then they had to be fatigued. Um, but still that one is, oh gosh, it's just, and every time they show it, it's like, oh, I don't want to oh see this gosh. again. <laughs> I know. Right. That's so Yeah. So, so it's, that's a tough one. Okay. This next question, we used to be one question, but 
with the announcement that they were closing the location that was in Athens. Oh, and I know they've announced they're reopening. Um, I'm not going to reinsert the question until they're officially reopened in Athens. So the question used to be, what's your order at the varsity? But we have shelved that for a little while. And the okay. question now is, how do you order your hash browns at Waffle House? Okay, scattered, smothered, covered, and diced. Oh, I like it. I'm very much here for that order. I am the yeah, same except replace diced with peppered. And that's mine. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a good one. Well, and so I'm an AO pie and the Waffle House at five points was caddy corner, like diagonal across the street from the AO pie house, you know, where the fire station is next. Yeah. Um, is next door to the AO pie house. It used to be the downtowner when I was a student and living in the AO pie house. Yeah. But so I spent many a night in Athens at the five points Waffle House. Um, because it was so close to where I lived when I was in the sorority house. Yeah. That's one of our like game day traditions is we usually, and this started when we were obviously younger. It's a little different now that we have kids. Cause we don't, we don't exactly blow it out on Saturday night. Like we used to, mm-hmm. but we always try to hit waffle house on the way out on Sunday morning. Oh, that's yeah. That's a good, well, so. and back to game day, you asked this question a minute ago, but I just thought of it, which is, Every single game day, um, we are, we have sausage balls and mimosas and bloody Mary's first thing while we're watching college game day, regardless of what time our game is like every, whether we're on the road and, and present it, you know, at the game or we're doing it at our house, it's sausage balls, mimosas and bloody Mary's. Oh yeah. I'm in for that. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's really, there's really nothing that you can make with a sausage that I'm not going to be happy about. That's I so mean, funny. I'm all in for that. And then mimosas is like, that's pretty much how we start our game days as well. Like right. my sister loves champagne. My wife loves champagne. I love champagne. It's like one of my favorite things to drink. So I'm all in for the mimosa. Um, and on, on usually on a game day, I'll just go straight champagne and just drop a little grenadine in it. So we got a little oh, yeah. team, there team spirit go. color in there. Yeah. That's so, okay. There are, well, let's just constitutional... have an RIP for the varsity in Athens. Like, let's yeah, just have a moment I, of silence I, for that whole situation. I was so sad about it. I'm still sad about it. I know they're going to open another one. They've, they've said they're going to open two, I guess, in the area, but there's just something just about that same. location. Yeah. No, it won't. It won't. It won't be the same. So, yeah. Um, Okay. There ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Although our seats, I will say, are on um, the shaded side of the stadium because we're on the south south end. And so we get in the shade first. God bless the people who are on the north end. Um, But... Yes. I mean, what is the point of a noon game? It just is so infuriating that you cannot tailgate longer. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like, we only get like seven or eight of these at home a year. Like right. you're, you're, you're kind of cutting our legs out from underneath of us. On this. Oh my like, gosh. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Mm-hmm. College football playoff. Are you mm-hmm. excited about the 12 team expansion or was it fine how it was at four teams? I'm excited about the 12 team expansion. Um, I think it will allow for some of these teams that should have been considered more seriously 
to have the opportunity for some of those Cinderella stories, right? And some of those um, those places that are like, why do I know? Now we don't, I mean, you know, I would say we're the 800 pound gorilla, right? So we get considered seriously, but I think there are opportunities for other schools, but I also know that there could be situations where we would be on the outset of that and in the 12 game or 12 team, I think that'll help us out for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think too, there's, it'll even out some of the inequity of teams playing in the SEC and having to go through that gauntlet. Well, yeah, we could have had a whole podcast episode about the inequality of that, right? Like yeah. the, um, I think that's so, that's such a valid point. And, you know, I'm so tired of hearing people from the big 10 talking about how much, you know, the SEC sucks and, uh, you know, how we brag all the time about how many people we have in tournament, um, you know, in, um, at postseason play and everything. And, um, so I a hundred percent, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a good thing. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be good for the sport, too. And I really hope there is some type of on-campus element to it where the first and or first and second rounds are on campus. Because I think yeah. anybody who's a fan of college football knows that the beauty and the vivaciousness of the sport is mm-hmm. those home games on college campuses. I mean, you just can't can't replace that atmosphere no. and that juice. Right. Well, I'm I'm anxious to see what this Clemson game is going to be like, too. Um, particularly since it won't be, you know, on campus, you know, like a, there's so much hype that comes along with all of that. So I agree. Yep. It, um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. All right. That concludes the smart 16. Heather, you are off the hot seat. Thank you for indulging us with that. Thank you. What a treat to be with you. Thank you for having me. Oh, uh, we're so thrilled that you came on. We'd love to hear your story and you are welcome. Anytime you want to come on, you just let us know and you come hang with us whenever. Sounds good. And we'll get coach Rick on here talking about that book. Yeah, we're ready for that. We'd love to have, we'd love to have him come on and tell some stories. So we're, we're all for that. Well, uh, Heather, we will make sure and put all your information in our show notes and get people to go and follow you. Y'all make sure and support Heather. She is certainly a damn good dog and she is running a damn good business. So y'all make sure and be supportive of that. And as we always end our shows here, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs, sick them. Hey, George is better now.